Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. read just the first five verses to get us started uh, here this evening. The Bible says these words, and please note that as we start here in verse number one, Jesus has already been talking in the previous chapter, and so what really is going on here is just a continuation of him talking. So there's really not a break between nine and ten, although there's a division in our English Bibles, there's really not a break. So he continues talking, and he says in verse number one, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. We'll get in a few other verses before we're said and done here tonight. But tonight I want to talk to you about thieves, hirelings, and the good shepherd. Thieves, hirelings, and the good shepherd. Not necessarily in that order, uh, but nonetheless, uh, we want to talk to you about it here tonight. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you today, God, for this God-made day that you have, Lord, provided for us. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, that we could, Lord, center our lives one more time around your word. Give us, Lord, instruction and guidance, Lord, through your word. Help us, Lord, to live our lives by it. The same things, Lord, that we live by are the things that we'll be judged by someday. I praise you and worship you Lord Jesus in this place and give you glory and honor in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen and the church says amen and you may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ it's important tonight to understand uh, that the the good shepherd parable or that which is spoken of many people are familiar with this is that it is, in essence, just a continuation from what has been uh, spoken about in chapter 9. And we spent about, I don't know, four weeks or so on chapter number 9. And so with that being said, we must uh, underscore the fact that what's being spoken of in chapter number 10 is in some manner connected with chapter 9, the story of the blind man uh, who was given back his sight. And so here in chapter number 10, Jesus is speaking to the people uh, in some shepherd imagery, something that they could no doubt relate to. But as he's talking to them using this shepherd imagery, uh, Jesus is contrasting uh, the threat or what I might even call the follow through of the Pharisees with what, how he reacted back in the blind man story of John chapter number nine. Because if you will remember, uh, the blind man's own mother and father wouldn't say too much about their son or how that all happened or the Jesus that was involved because there was words that were already breathed to them that uh, if anybody said anything about this Jesus being the Christ, then they would be excommunicated from the synagogue. They would be cast out and thrown out. And so the blind 
blind man's mom and dad is very cautious about how they respond because they knew that they chanced being thrown out of the synagogue. And the blind man himself, we understand, uh, after he gave some words about his understanding of this man, Jesus Christ, and about how he wasn't a sinner and how he made some deductions really to the fact that he was a a good man and that he indeed could open his eyes and that he must have some type of association with God because nobody in the history of the world had ever opened up blind eyes, particularly of one that was born blind. After he makes all these deductions and expresses some positive expressions about Jesus Christ, the Bible speaks that he was, and this is the contrast that he was indeed cast out of the synagogue by these people and so Jesus now in John chapter number 10 through the good shepherd story is really contrasting them between good shepherd and maybe not so good shepherd all right Uh, about how they react to people and the blind man in particular, the Pharisees then, you know, your mom and dad, anybody that says anything about Jesus being the Christ, we're going to cast them out, excommunicate them. The blind man, he has some good things to say, boom, we're going to cast him out. But when we look at the reaction of Jesus in John 9 concerning the same blind man, the Bible says, and it's probably best for us in just verse 35 there, here's the contrast. Jesus heard that they cast him out. So he heard that the Pharisees had cast him out, but here is the reaction or the action of Jesus. Jesus Jesus heard that they cast him out and when he had found him. So what there is there is a sense that the ones that the Pharisees cast out, Jesus went looking for. All right. The ones that the Pharisees cast out, Jesus went looking for. And so the treatment really of the blind man is seen from two different groups. The Pharisees, how they reacted, and then Jesus himself. And so it's from this treatment of how the blind man was treated by two different groups of people, or Jesus and the Pharisees, that he brings to us this parable of the good shepherd. Because in the parable about the good shepherd, he begins basically to talk to us about sheep. He talks to us about the associations of sheep with a few different groupings. Good shepherds, Thieves and robbers, as it would be, strangers is in that mix too. Wolves is probably in that mix as well. But also then hirelings, amen, a shepherd that has been hired or a hireling. And so he begins to summarize all these different actions and attitudes of these different groups of people, amen, toward the sheep as he poses it in his parable. And so this isn't uncommon. Jesus Jesus uses sheep and shepherd imagery. The Bible does for that matter, uh, all the way back from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We all the time have this imagery of sheep and shepherds because uh, the Israelites knew sheep and, and being shepherds as a part of their lives. It's something that they could relate to. And it was a concept then that Jesus could use because he knew they could relate to it. All right. And so he, he and that's the way parables work parables take something that uh, a relatable thing to whoever they are speaking they are spoken to he takes a relatable thing and then he conveys a truth from something that they can relate to and so this is what Jesus is doing and something that we know about sheep not going to talk too much about them because I want to talk more about the hirelings and the shepherds and all this other stuff but something we know about sheep is that sheep were totally dependent on shepherds for protection right 
for their watering purposes, for uh, their grazing and eating purposes. Uh, they were dependent upon shepherds for their shelter. Uh, if they had injury, for them being tended to in order to take care of any injury that they may have had. In fact, uh, they say that a sheep would not last long without a shepherd. Would not last long without a shepherd. And so sheep and shepherds being a part of Israel's history, uh, number one, because many of them were shepherds, but also sheep were a big part of Israel's whole sacrificial system, right? Whenever they needed to make sacrifices, how many times could you probably count in the Old Testament when that which was necessary or required or fit for sacrificing was a sheep, all right? But I don't want anybody to get, you know, in the muddy water there and think, well, that's what it is. We're just here to be sacrificed. That's not, the, that's not the idea at all, or slaughtered for that matter. In Palestine, over in the eastern part, the Middle Eastern part of the world, um, sheep are not kept primarily for killing. They are not kept primarily for slaughter or for meat. Uh, for that matter, particularly in Jesus' day, if a lamb or a sheep was killed or slaughtered, it was because it was used for sacrifice. And there is a big difference in just killing and slaughtering an animal for meat and using it for sacrifice. Right? Because one is more self-serving than it is God-serving. Amen? And so nonetheless, but they don't keep those things mainly for those uh, uses. They, they keep them primarily because of their fleece, right? They got this renewable commodity upon their body. Uh, it will grow. They can cut it off and make wool from it. Uh, they, they love the milk that is derived from sheep. And another matter, you know, a couple of, a couple of sheep make more lambs, you know. And so it continues this cycle. And so... The row, Jesus' row in the parable takes on a couple different forms because it's in here that we see some of Jesus' famous I am statements. All right, on one hand, he says that I am the door of the sheep, fold. And then on another hand, he tells us that he is the good shepherd. So one hand, he is the door of the sheep, fold. On the other hand, he is the good shepherd. Now, these different forms that Jesus takes on Really, setting is important because whenever the sheep's, whenever, not sheep's, sheep is plural all by itself, okay. <laughs> whenever the sheep are close to a city or a village or town, uh, they typically would be in their folds near a building that had uh, some block, some type of stone or block walls that made up the other three sides. It might be against a building. And so whenever they were in that type of setting, uh, there would actually be a real gate involved and a keeper of the gate. But there's other settings whenever the shepherds were out among grazing, among the hills and mountains. And they had out there also these stone types of structures but there's no buildings out there but they wouldn't have a literal gate all right there to the sheepfold the shepherd himself would be the door if you will or or the gate that would obscure the entrance into these stonewall places and so on one hand he is the shepherd in these type of uh, parables that are given to us and on the other hand he becomes the door but in the first illustration that I read to you in verses one through five in the first illustration Jesus does not say state himself as any player in the parable story he doesn't say that he's the shepherd he doesn't say he's the door he doesn't say anything he just kind of tells the parable as oft times he would you know you see this over and over in scripture right there's times that he tells uh the parable about the sower and some there's some that are not getting it even his disciples are a little, little questionable about what he's getting at and then he explains the people
pieces of the parable, right? And so that's a little bit what happens here in John 10. He kind of tells the parable, and then he kind of got to explain the pieces of the parable to a certain degree. And so he doesn't claim to be a player in the parable whenever he first tells it. Doesn't claim to be in the door or the good shepherd. But what he does tell us in the parable is this, is that a thief and a robber does not enter the sheepfold by the door. A thief and a robber does not enter the sheepfold by the door. Namely, because they would not be permitted to enter. Now, Brother McGee, what are you talking about? They wouldn't be permitted to enter. Because in the parable, he tells the parable as though at this gate, and we're considering then a city or a village because a literal gate being there and a porter to keep the gate. In this scenario, the porter or the doorkeeper, according to the scripture, must know, must know who the sheep that he is guarding the gate of belongs to. In other words, he has a relationship with the shepherd. All right? He has some sheep back here in the pen, and sometimes there could be more than just one man sheep back there in the pen, but he knows whose sheep those belong to. And so a thief and a robber is not going to come to the door because the porter only opens the door to those whom he knows those sheep are and belongs to. This man and the shepherd are in relationship with one another. For that matter, uh, again, there could be more than one grouping of sheep, uh, two or three men's sheep in the, 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 the walls that was behind him. It wasn't uncommon then for these folds that were situated in the city, as I said, to be enclosed next to a building or a house. Then upon the walls, they would have briars or thorns or thistles to try to keep people from climbing over the wall or at least try to discourage them from, you know, you could have razor wire on the top of a fence and people still climb over it. I'm just saying but he's trying to discourage people from climbing over the wall so you have all this mixture perhaps of sheep that belong to different shepherds behind you and so the porter was hired by the shepherds to keep the gate closed and keep it enclosed to keep the sheep from getting out to keep anything that is out from getting in that shouldn't be inside the sheepfold so they were kept safe and they belonged into those shepherds, and he knew that. And so there are a few reasons then why the thief and the robber would not attempt to approach the porter of the gate. Number one, again, there wouldn't be a former, a former relationship or a formal relationship between them and the porter. Their relationship is between the shepherds and, and himself because they are watching over their sheep. But number two, even, here's, this is important, even if the porter did open the door, let's say somehow they, they schmoozed him, you know, and he did open the door. Secondly, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to take or approach this because the sheep would not heed the voice of the robber or the thief because the robber and the thief has no former relationship with the sheep all right so in reality even if he could make it through the gate the individual the thief and the robber would be exposed as an intruder and not the shepherd because the sheep wouldn't recognize their voice here's the fact of the matter so what it means is this if you cannot approach the door 
if there's no relationship between the porter in you, the supposed shepherd in you, you had to enter some other way. You had to enter some other way. And when you did that, that was literally intrusion into the fold. You had to want it pretty bad because you're going to have to climb over some thorns and thistles and briars over the wall in order to get down in there because they were made to protect what was on the inside. You're going to have to endure some pain in order to get in if you're not going by the door. Now look at verse number two. The Bible says this very plainly. I know this is very simple tonight, but the Bible says this very plainly. The shepherd of the sheep enters by the door. I know. I hate that you're swimming in deep waters right now. So the robbers and the thieves cannot enter by the door, but the shepherd enters by the door because two reasons. He has a relationship with the doorkeeper and he has a relationship with the sheep. Anybody that tries to enter any other way lacks a relationship with both or either one. Now here, look at this. These thieves and these robbers are going to come in. All right? They are, of course, going to attempt to do some things to the sheep. As a matter of fact, later in the chapter, we'll read how the thief cometh not, but to what? This is a popular verse. Steal, kill, and destroy. This is something important to denote about thieves and robbers and sheep, and that is this. Sheep truly cannot be led astray because they don't follow voices they don't know. Well, If left to themselves, sheep do have this capacity. If left to themselves, they may wander astray. Because they just have within their DNA this wondering spirit about them. I'm just being honest. That they have no guidance. They tend to be wanderers. All right? But what I'm telling you is this. If they have a shepherd, they can't just be led astray. Because they just don't follow any voice. They follow the voice of the one that they know. So for thieves and robbers, here we are. Here we are, thieves and robbers. Since they can't be led astray, thieves and robbers have to steal them away. Woo. Oh, yeah. It's Wednesday night, and it's right. Amen. They'll steal them away. <laughs> See, most sheep could not be stolen by being persuaded to follow the thief. You know, that thief can't stand out there at the door and say, come on, sheep. <laughs> come on. He couldn't do that because he has a foreign voice to the sheep. Amen. So he can't, he can't persuade them or urge them or prompt them to follow. They're not familiar with the thief's voice. But they can be stolen away, and they tell me from my understanding that they would typically steal sheep after they have bound the sheep or have already killed the sheep. Man, that's heavy. Then they would steal the sheep away. But on the contrary, a shepherd can enter by the door because he has a relationship with the porter. And he can lead his sheep 
simply by his voice. Simply by his voice. There have been stories when you have these type of enclosures in cities that hold two or three different men's sheep in there and they can mix up. It's not as though they have to have particular markings on their ear or on their wool to indicate that's Bob's sheep and that's Larry's sheep over there. No, you don't have any of that. They can go in there and they can mix all around because as soon as Bob comes and begins to speak his call that his sheep are familiar with, they automatically separate and they go out the door and they follow the voice that they are familiar with. Hallelujah. And then the next one can come to the door again, give his call, and his sheep are just going to fall in line because all the shepherds must do is give the call that their sheep are familiar with and they're going to follow. They're going to follow them simply by hearing their shepherd's voice. Can I tell you, they don't even have to see their shepherd. They, They don't, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. They don't have to see their shepherd. They don't have to feel their shepherd pat him on the back. All they got to do is hear his voice. And when they hear the words of their shepherd. I'm trying to behave, but there's something about ready to claw its way out. This is important. Because later, Jesus, taking this parable, is going to call himself the good Shepherd. Good shepherd is is a proper name, actually, in the scripture. Good shepherd. And the sheep are going to follow the shepherd based on his voice, based upon his call, based upon his words. Can someone say amen? amen? And those, this is important, those that don't follow him, Mark this, those that don't follow him simply by not following indicate then that that's not their shepherd. That that's not their shepherd and they're not his sheep. Folks, there are so many layers of the onion right here. I mean, he can come, but if they're not following, then they must not be his and he must not be theirs. Why is this important? Because looking back through the Gospel of John that we've already looked at, do you know how repeatedly so far in the book of John that Jesus has been speaking to the people, teaching the people, instructing the people, trying to lead the people by his word? And some hearing have not understood or perceived. You said, let's just get back just to John 8 just for a moment. John 8 verse 43. Jesus is speaking here and he says, Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear, which may also be interpreted understand, my word, which may also be interpreted voice. Because ye cannot understand my voice. Why, why are you not? Why are you not? my? Why not? Evidently they weren't his sheep. not following because they don't count him as their shepherd 
Amen. So when we look back at verse number three of John chapter number 10, it relates to us. Now note this. It relates to us that what the sheep were hearing whenever they left this enclosure where the porter is, they're hearing more as it's relayed. They're hearing more than just some generic call that the flock would have known that their shepherd typically makes because the Bible says specifically that they hear his voice in verse number three, and he calleth his own sheep by name. Ooh, someone say amen. Name. He's called. So this is not just the general call for the flock, but he's calling each one individually by their name. Now, whenever a shepherd named his sheep, Aiden, it wasn't like, come on, Billy Bob. All right. It was like names that you and I have. When a shepherd named his sheep, he typically named them by some physical trait or personality characteristic that he learned or caught being around them so much. <laughs> Be like, you know, my grandpa years ago, you know, calling out dances on people. Well, they're doing the, you know, he's, he's whatever. Tater digging. They're doing the shuffle. <laughs> he named them by physical or, or characteristics that are just to them. In other words, he might name one brown spot because it has a big brown spot. You know what I'm saying? He might name another one steady feet. You understand what I'm getting at? What I'm getting at is this. It takes relational interaction to know the sheep by name. Especially the type of names, you know. Long ear, you know, whatever. <laughs> Stub tail, you know. The shepherd had to know his sheep. But the sheep had to know their shepherd. There is an interdependence in this relationship of sheep on shepherd and shepherd on sheep. Whenever Mary Magdalene went that early morning to the tomb where Jesus was laid, and this is the Mary Magdalene that I'm telling you that was healed of, 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 of evil spirits and infirmities. The Bible says that seven devils were cast out of her. Whenever she went to the sepulcher early that morning where she knew Jesus was laid, the Bible says she, she looked and peered in there and she was weeping because the body was not there. She was sorrowful. She was upset. She assumed in her mind that someone had come and stolen the body away and she wanted to know where they laid him. She wanted to know where they took him. And so as she stood there, the Bible even tells us that she saw Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. All right? Because that which is planted in the ground isn't the same that comes from the ground. We read that in 1 Corinthians. Amen. And so she didn't recognize it was Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. <laughs> thought he was the gardener. And she expressed to him all of her woe and everything and the reason for her grief. And then this happened in John 20 and verse 16. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto her, Mary... And she turned herself and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, what happened? She recognized who he was because she heard his voice say her name. She recognized her shepherd's voice and evidently she even attempted to reach out to him because he said, touch me not because I'm not yet ascended unto the heavens. 
right? And so shepherds in the Middle East, they lead their sheep with their voice. Right. It's not like over here in, 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 in the western part of the world. In the west, you can even find shepherds that drive their sheep by force. But over in the east, they lead them with their voice. I've read accounts that they'll be walking along and ever so often they'll give that little generic call that all the flock know. Why? So that they're staying on track. He's leading them by his voice. But you can only do that if there's a relationship between sheep and shepherd. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse number four, he goeth before them, right? He's just got him from the enclosure. He's called him by name. And now he's leading, really leading. He goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they knew or know his voice. Amen. Let's pick back up verse number six. I got to We got to Yeah, let's go. It says this parable, so he just admits that what he has just relayed to them in the first five verses is parabolic. This parable spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. This has happened more than one time in Scripture with parables. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Because they don't have a relationship with them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pastures. This is the verse we were speaking of earlier. The thief cometh not. And yes, I had about three syllables in thief right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can do that as a preacher. Put all these syllables in words. Cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. I'll just pause there for a moment. So the second illustration here that the Lord comes, really what he's doing here, it's as though he is explaining the parable to them. He is telling them, I am the door. Well, in a very literal way, as we said, when they're grazing out away from the city, villages and towns among mountains and such, there were these stone enclosures there as well. But they typically did not have a literal door. The shepherd would become the door. It wasn't difficult for the shepherd to also be the door. Mm -hmm. And so when the sheep were in the enclosure and it was coming nightfall, they went into the enclosure and the shepherd would lay down in front of the opening of the enclosure. Amen. And he would become the door to the sheepfold. So he is he's laying there for one purpose. He's guarding the door against predators, but he is also guarding any sheep from getting out of the enclosure. Right? It's not all about what he's trying to keep us from doing. It's about what he's keeping things from us. Not for our good, but for, you understand what I'm saying, things that would harm us potentially. Predators. And so he, he's, he's laying down there. And so Jesus begins to contrast here. All throughout the scriptures here, he's contrasting thieves and robbers and wolves and hirelings and the good shepherd, all this stuff. But in one group, we kind of have like thieves and robbers and, and wolves, all right? I'll say wolves. They kind of fall under one classification. Another classification is hirelings, right? And then another one is the good shepherd because the wolves and, and, and the thieves and the robbers, they all come with the purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. Even wolves, they fall in that category. But hirelings, I'll read just a few more verses so we include you in where the hirelings at. But the hirelings tend to the sheep for what they can get out. They don't own the sheep. 
The sheep don't belong to them. But they want to they want to tend the sheep for what they can get out of it. Why? Because they get some type of remuneration. They get some type of payment. They're hired hand. Let me go on and read just a little bit more so we can all be on the same page. Verse 11 of chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth. Well, that's nice. Because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. And so a hireling just tends to the sheep. He's a hired hand, right? The sheep don't belong to him. He, let's say like, he doesn't have any relationship per se with the sheep. He's just operating in a function, in a row, in a place and in a position. He's a hireling. He's a hireling hand. So he's watching the sheep because he gets a paycheck at the end of the week. Someone say glory. So as a result of that, hirelings are really all about self-preservation. They might not directly kill a lamb, Brother Fred, or destroy a lamb, maybe not directly, but due to their selfishness, they flee when they should be fighting for the life of the sheep. Contrasted with the good shepherd whom the Bible says gives his life for the sheep. Mm -hmm. He's not taking anything that's not his. They belong to him. He's not trying to kill them. He's not trying to destroy them. Right? And he's not trying to leave them to fend for themselves through neglect. He's not leaving them neglected because he's paying too much attention to himself. He's not opening them up to harm or mistreatment. Right? Because he's trying to see what he can get out of because he has a relationship with them. Quite frankly, he's invested in them. Everybody okay? So look at it. The thief takes the life of the sheep, but the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. That's a contrast. The hireling runs away whenever trouble hits because he cares more about himself than he does the sheep. But the shepherd will again lay down his life for the sheep because in the truest sense of the word, they are his and he cares about their well-being. He knows brown spot and steady legs and no floppy ear. You hearing what I'm saying? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Someone say good. Oh, yeah. I am the good shepherd. I did a little dig in here. The Greek word translated good means pleasurable, beautiful, honest, blameless, high moral character. But we must understand in this day, Jesus more than likely would have probably spoken these words to these people in Aramaic, all right? And someone then had translated them into the Greek language, all right? But in Aramaic, in Aramaic, the Aramaic New Testament uses the word tawa. The word that's translated good in our English Bibles in Aramaic is tawa, which is more than likely the language that Jesus would have spoke to them. That word means perfect harmony so what we're talking about is 
is that being a good shepherd wasn't all about appearance. The goodness wasn't about appearance. The goodness wasn't about courage. The goodness wasn't about being beautiful necessarily or honest, but it was about perfect harmony. It was much more about having a relationship with the sheep. It was about perfect harmony. See, hirelings don't have relationship with the sheep because they don't own the sheep. They didn't have anything invested except their time, which they got paid for. But the good shepherd owns the sheep. He knew the sheep. He had a relationship with the sheep. And they knew his voice. And they trusted his voice. Because you can't build trust when there's no relationship. Now, I do have a point. I'm just kind of going to tie the strings at the very end. Okay. Look at this, if you will. Probably next week we'll look at Ezekiel 34, but for today we're going to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, and I want to read like the first four verses there. This has the old sheep and more notable shepherd and probably less notable shepherd here contained just within these four verses. It said, woe be unto the pastors. The word is translated pastors. Uh, the exact same word that is used here is later in verse number four translated shepherds. Because there is an etymological association between the word pastors and shepherds. But woe be unto the pastors, look at this, that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them and will bring them again to their foes. And they shall be fruitful and increase. Verse 4, and I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So we have a picture just in four verses, Brother Fred, of what we would call a shepherd and then a good shepherd. Right? And it's under the auspices of a shepherd There's this little small list of what they should not do, although it seems they had been doing. They're scattering the flock. Huh? And by implication is this. If you scatter the flock, you're fixing them or setting them up for destruction. Because sheep need a shepherd. They have that wandering spirit, right? They need a voice. They need a voice. And so he says, you're scattering the flock. He goes on to say, And you're driving them away. You're not leading them. You're driving them. And you're not, you know, not only you're driving them, you are, you are contributing to the scattering, the driving, all of this. And verse number three says, he says, and you're not visiting them. You spend no time. You're not forming a relationship with them. He goes on and he noticed the contrast. Now, this is the Lord's actions, right? This is the Lord's actions right here that's being contrasted. He says, I'm going to gather the remnant together. So we have one scattering. Pharisees cast out blind men. And we have one that says, I'm going to gather them in. 
Jesus when he found him. Huh? He said, I'm going to gather them together and I'm going to bring them into the folds. Right? I'm going to bring them into the folds and I'm going to bring them into the closures. And look at the result of doing these first little two little things that he makes mention of. He says, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Now, this is important because the fruitful and the increase isn't out of some grand combination that's, you know, put together. It's all just basically by gathering the foe together and bringing them together. All about having a relationship with them, bringing them together rather than being scattered apart. And by virtue of them having relationship with the shepherd and relationship with one another. Because it's hard to have relationship when you're scattered. Hmm. I've never seen a kid born whenever one one spouse sleeps in one room and one the other all their days. Hello. Brother, Brother Cook told me before church, he's trying to talk sister Cook into another child. So I don't know if this is prophetic right now. I might be working for you, brother. No. <laughs> we got to get these children out of school and get that house built. My God. Amen. Hallelujah. Fruitfulness and increase. And here is he says, I'm going to I'm going to get shepherds. It's going to pattern after my life pattern after what I do. This is what he says. He says, I'm going to find shepherds going to feed them. So I'm going to find shepherds that won't provoke them to fear or dismay. All right. And I'm going to find some shepherds that's going to provide for whatever it is they have need of. You can stand with me. I'm going to bring her close. I know. So there are shepherds and then there are good shepherds. There's thieves and robbers and wolves and hirelings. But there's shepherds and then there are good shepherds. If you think about all this, you've got to consider once again the last chapter, chapter number nine that we have been in. And everything that was happening with the blind man, again, being cast out, excommunicated. What is Jesus doing in this parable? He's handling the matter. He's handling the matter. He said, you all have, 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 have not treated this man as a shepherd. I know you say you know the law and you know all the ins and outs and all this stuff. And you quote this and you told the guy that he was born into sin like you weren't and all this stuff. He says, but the way that you are interacting with him, he said, you're, you're, you're not a shepherd, at least not a good shepherd. So because a good shepherd indicates you have a relationship with the sheep. The good shepherd's not going to push him out. He's going to go find him. The good shepherd is the one that leaves the 99 and goes find the one. And when he's found it, he placed it upon his shoulder. And he goes back home and gather his friends together and say, the one that was lost, I found. Someone say, man, that's the good shepherd. He said, the bad shepherd says, don't let the door hit you on your way out. Huh? Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And if that's the way you want to be, don't worry about coming back either. Right? Amen. As communicate, but the good shepherd sought him out, gathered him into the fold. And that's the difference between thieves and hirelings and the good shepherd. Amen. We'll look at next week a little bit more of this good shepherd indoor scenario because I think there's something quite sweet uh, through the natures of Jesus Christ being divine and being human uh, that we find between him being the good shepherd and also the door. Amen. We'll go look at that next week. Amen. Everybody doing okay? Phew. My goodness, I want to hear his voice, don't you? Amen. I want to hear his voice. Let's bow our heads. 
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.